Hello, Royal Community, and welcome to this week's 100th episode of the podcast. I'd just like to say that this podcast was recorded before the Harry Spear book was released. You will hear chat in this podcast today pertaining to the interviews and to the excerpts that were leaked, but we have not read the book. Thank you so much for being here, Royal Community. Let's run that intro. grand fanfare welcome to our podcast keeping up with the windsors dedicated to the royal family each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of windsor with your hosts and royal fan girls rachel andrews and michelle soul to grab yourself a cuppa straighten up your tiara shine your knighthood round up your corgis and let's keep up with the windsors Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. Royal community, we have a very special episode coming to you today. It is our centenary episode show. Our centenary! How amazing! Yay. Can you believe we're actually here? I know, 100 episodes. We're 100 wow. episodes later, we're still here, Royal community. <laughs> <laughs> we're still here! Talking about the Royals. Oh, I just want to do a really fun fact for you, Royal Community. It's not that fun, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) um, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, for instance, you will actually see that this is 101 episodes on your app. And that's because the trailer classes as episode one, but this is actually our 100th episode. So do not listen to the app that tells you it is 101. This is the 100th episode. Welcome, Royal Community. We are so glad to have you here. Who knew that when we started this podcast in March 2021, after the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview, that we'd still be here, Shell? Like, I just didn't know where this was going to go. And I'm flabbergasted that way it's still going, to be fair. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And the amount of stuff we've had to do and cover and the amount of knowledge I know now is ridiculous. I feel like I could do mastermind. <laughs> with the royal family <laughs> oh i love it yeah i mean we've we've covered harry and Meghan's interview we've covered the prince andrew scandal the queen's jubilee the queen's passing harry's memoir prince philip's passing. Prince Philip's passing all these things have happened within the space of us starting this podcast and without you royal community listening every single week we would not be where we are now absolutely we would not be anywhere and we've had a lot of new listeners in the last say three or four months because they found us during the passing of her majesty queen elizabeth ii so we want to welcome everyone who's new but this is going to be a a passing over the baton this episode because we really wanted to dedicate this episode to the people who have made this podcast what it is and that is to you royal community so tell them, Rach, what is happening in this episode? So in this episode, we are going to be, well, you'll be hearing five different Royal Community members and why they love the Royal Family, what got them into liking the Royal Family, who is their favourite member, what engagements have they been to, have they met them, have they seen them? And you're going to hear five different stories from people around the world. The people you're going to hear today are some of the most amazing people that we've met within the royal community and we wanted to share their stories with you and who are we going to meet today Rach? We're going to meet Julie she's from Boston, Bedford from Wales, Charlotte's from Germany, Amy from Wyoming and Anna from Canada. 
Yeah. So we are so excited to share these little sit downs, little cuppers. We had a cup of tea with them, didn't we? And she had a little sit down chat with them. <laughs> we did. Um, and it's just so amazing to share this platform with people who love the Royals just as much as we do. And that was the goal to create a community that we all feel a part of. We all feel that this little corner of the world that we inhabit, this royal fandom, is revered and listened to. And you don't feel weird. You feel celebrated here. And that's what we want to do today. And if you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, why aren't they talking about Spare, Harry's new memoir? Well, Royal Community... As Shell said, we wanted to dedicate this episode, our 100th episode, to the Royal Community. So the next episode that you're going to be listening to will all be about Harry's book. So make sure that you tune in next week for that. That's if I've read it, Rach. It's been a hot minute in January for Rachel and I, so... I am listening on the audiobook on two speed, so I'm trying to get it done as quick as possible. Yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed we will have more Harry conversations for you next week. It was very important that Rachel and I read the book before we actually talked about it. We have had the excerpts come out. We have heard some of the interviews. But if you want to know now some of our thoughts, we have a Instagram live on the whole Harry interviews and the excerpts coming out. And it is one hour and 41 minutes. So head on over <laughs> to Instagram, Keeping Up With The Windsor's Pods, if you want to hear our thoughts before next week. And also, I went to London on the day that the book was released and did some filming there outside Buckingham Palace. I also went to the biggest bookstore in Piccadilly in London, Waterstones. I don't know if it's the biggest one. I just said that. I just bigged it up for no reason. I think it is. I think it's five stories, that Waterstones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is big. And I took, I, I did some filming there. So if you want to see that, head on over to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Keep It Up With The Windsors. But before then, like I say, this episode is going to be dedicated to our lovely five Royal Community members. So should we get going, Rach? Let's do it. We're going to start off with Julie. Julie's from Boston. We talked to her about her wedding, having a bridal shower fit for a princess. And also, what did she think about William and Catherine when they came to Boston? So let's hear from Julie right now. We're so pleased to be joined by Julie, who is, you're living in Boston at the moment, right, Julie? I am, yes. Boston, Massachusetts. I love it. So obviously, we've got lots of questions about Earthshot, which we'll come to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How long have you been following the royal family? So I started following the royal family when I was about nine years old, which was many, many years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I really started kind of Princess Diana sort of started it all for me as it did for, I think, a lot of people of my generation and and just sort of started following her, her fashion. And then as I learned more, you know, I'm a big history buff. So that really kind of also was fascinating to me, sort of the history, the tradition, you know, the the pomp and circumstance and, and sort of all of the rituals involved in royalty really were, uh, were very uh, interesting to me. I love the rituals. They're one of my favorite things. <laughs> So did you get interested in them with Prince Charles and Princess Diana's wedding? Yeah, I was I was quite young for that. I was about five when when that happened. But I do remember getting up very, very early in the morning with my mom and, and sitting and watching that. And, you know, not I didn't really 
fully comprehend at the time what what it was or who they were or anything. I just knew, you know, obviously she had a beautiful dress and it was a big horse-drawn carriage. And, you know, it seemed very kind of glamorous and exciting and fairy tale like But it was a little bit later that I really started getting interested in sort of magazines and, and fashion and things like that. And I think that was sort of what started me on that path of really following the royals. I mean, we're talking about a royal wedding there. Yes, <laughs> Julie. And you've recently got married, haven't you? I did in November. <laughs> oh, congratulations. And Royal Community, just to let you know, Julie is part of the VIP Royal Community. So we've had pictures of her wedding all over our private Facebook group, haven't we? And you looked <laughs> amazing. You look like such a princess. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. Yeah, I, I figured it was my one chance to uh, to dress up like a princess and, and have my fairy tale day. So why not go full full stop tiara, ball gown, the whole nine yards? <laughs> And, and your girlfriends actually put on like an afternoon tea kind of hen party. We say hen party here. Yes. It's, yeah, bachelorette for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they did a, a bridal shower for me, which was so kind. And I did not know this, but they had put on the invitation that they sent out to everybody asking people to wear fascinators. And oh. so as people started showing up, I started seeing, I was like, wow, I think my mom's wearing a fascinator. How unusual. <laughs> and then somebody else came and I was like, this person's wearing a fascinator. And I turned to my girlfriend and I said, is this a thing? And she just laughed and she said, it's a thing. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I loved that everyone played along and, you know, they, they knew it would be a big thing for me. And so I appreciate the fact that my friends, you know, went full stop and, and went in and wore the fascinators and, and all of that. It was quite, quite funny. So you had your own royal wedding in a way then. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Is Charles and Diana's wedding your favorite royal wedding? You know, that's tough to say. I think actually my favorite royal wedding, it would be a little bit of a toss-up. It'd be hard to pick one. I, I really enjoyed watching William and Catherine's wedding. I think that was the first one that I was sort of a, a, a grown-up, so to speak, for. So I really could appreciate sort of the all of it. And I just love, you know, when... William and Catherine came out driving the Aston Martin out of the palace. And I just laughed and thought like, oh, your mom would be so proud of you, you know, just kind of doing that very off the cuff, casual, you know, thing. But for Harry and Meghan's wedding, I actually convinced a couple of friends to come to this very swanky hotel in Boston um, that threw a party in the morning. And of course, here it would it was it started, I think, 530 in the morning. And it was a wedding party. And so everyone got dressed up, fascinators, hats, dresses. And we went and we watched the wedding together in this ballroom filled with other people, other royal fans. And, and it was so much fun. And they had a wedding cake and they had champagne toasts. And it really almost felt like you were there at the wedding because they you know, had it on big screens and everybody was you know, ooing and eyeing and cheering and clapping. And um, that was quite fun, too. So I, I, th those experiences were very different, but I, I enjoyed both of them. It's nice to um, celebrate in communion, isn't it? Because I just watched them at home in my pajamas. So, I mean, you celebrated in style. <laughs> well, Catherine and Williams, that's what I did. I was in my pajamas. It was, you know, again, it was 5.30 in the morning. I did set the alarm and get up and watch the whole thing. But I was laying on a couch watching it. This one, I figured, I, you know, one of my friends found this and, and sent it to me and, and said, I think you need to go to this. And I was like, I think I do too. And I showed up and I just, you know, I, I almost cried because it was like, I've been waiting, you know, my whole life to be in a room filled with people that were that excited about a royal event yeah. like I was you know it really was um it was it was so wonderful to kind of find that community and and not feel silly or not you know not have to explain anything like everybody knew who everybody was coming you know it didn't have to say like oh that's so and so you know <laughs> so it was great it was quite fun it's like you had the hardcore royal community come together and say yes. you know what we're going to make our own event and it's going to be amazing completely it was <laughs> yeah it was it was very 
fun. So living in Boston, you actually saw William and Catherine, didn't you, when they was over there for the Earthshot Prize? I did. I did. I was one of the, as William called it, hardy Bostonians standing out in the pouring, <laughs> pouring, pouring rain. For hours. Which you actually did a Facebook Live, didn't you? I did. Our, um, Facebook group. I was like, yay! Yeah, it was really fun. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it was, the, I mean, the weather was atrocious. It was torrentially downpouring rain, but I got there very early. So I was right in the front and met some other, you know, royal community members and fa- fans and, and got to kind of chat with them for hours, which was really an unexpected, fun part of it. I wasn't, I went by myself, so I wasn't really expecting to have that, but it, we really had a good time chatting. And I met people from, there were people from all over the country that had flown to Boston to be there, which was quite remarkable. And yeah, it was, I mean, then, you know, we waited and we waited and then they, the program started and then there they walked out and I was like, wow, like they're right there, right in front of me. You know, they waved and of course, you know, everyone thinks like, oh, they waved right at me. But, you know, it was, it was so nice <laughs> did, to... Julie, just go with it. They did. They did. Of course. They, you know, like, <laughs> the, the, the woman standing next to me said, I think they made eye contact with me. <laughs> and I said, sure. I don't know if that's true, but sure. That sounds good. And also when they did that, they'd just come off the airplane. So they might have been like a little bit, you know, fatigued, but they looked yeah. amazing. I mean, they hit the ground running and and really did um, a lot while they were here. I mean, I was amazed at how many engagements they were able to squeeze in in their time, you know, here in the city. It definitely was not a leisure tour <laughs> or a leisure thing for them. It was very clear that they were working really hard. So that was a big deal that they actually went to Boston, right? Completely. Yeah. I mean, most of the time when dignitaries come to the United States, they tend to go to either Washington, D.C., obviously, because that's our capital and where our government is. New York City gets a lot of visits and things, you know, sometimes Los Angeles because there's money, you know, and big celebrities that they can have kind of fundraisers for, for charities and things. Boston is not you know, usually on the list. So the fact that they came here and, you know, got to see so much of the city and the the city really embraced it. It was very clear that there were a lot of behind the scenes organizations, people that had worked really hard to pull all of this off. You know, you could just tell all the kind of presenting organizations and sponsoring organizations that have been working on different environmental causes and projects here in the city really took the chance to have the spotlight on them and, and kind of ran with it, which was really great to see. I mean, Massachusetts is a pretty progressive state and Boston is a very progressive city. So there's a lot of environmental projects and, and initiatives that are that are happening here, as well as a lot of scientific things. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was amazing that they chose Boston and that they really shined the spotlight on some of the things happening here. Well, I think the reason for Boston was the JFK reference mm-hmm. for the the um connection there which yes. is so synonymous with moonshot earthshot and i think from a world perspective looking in that spotlight was on boston you really did a fabulous job at hosting the royals but also like you say being the champion for those initiatives mm-hmm. and allowing us the you know the international crowd to see how progressive your city is your state is because those initiatives that are within a shot you're actually living and breathing some of them as well so i think it was the perfect location to choose and so many people have actually said how the news anchors and the news people there they just really honed in on william and catherine embraced them 
Um, and sometimes you don't get that when you go to other places. Right. And again, you know, not, you know, I mean, us excluded, not not everybody pays attention to what the royal family is doing or, or whatever, you know, so even just them as dignitaries, so to speak, coming here. But I think people got really excited about the reason behind it. The Kennedy family is just ubiquitous with the city and with our state and, and has done, you know, many good things. And the JFK Library is a wonderful, wonderful place. You know, I'm glad they got to highlight that, um, you know, been there many times. The, the staff that works there and the curators do such a great job of keeping it relevant, even though it's about a historical figure, they keep all of the exhibits changing and it's, you know, it really kind of, they're right on the water themselves, they're right on the ocean. So the sea and sort of the environment is very important to what they do. And so it was a logical kind of connection, I feel like. And yeah, it was, it was nice that, you know, the coverage was very positive. It was on the news here locally all the time, you know, the whole time that they were here. It was one of the lead stories everywhere. So much so that actually my dad called me while I was standing in City Hall Plaza in the pouring rain. My phone rang and it was my dad. And he called me and he said, are you in City Hall Plaza right now? And I said, (laughs) I am dad. And he said, we're watching it on TV. And I said, I bet Julie's there. And and my dad wouldn't be watching that, you know, but it was every, it was on all the channels. It was a very big deal. So that was nice to see that too, the kind of coverage that it got. Let's talk coronation, something we're all so excited about. You're actually coming over from Boston, right? I am. I am. I this booked, is amazing. I absolutely love this. I booked my ticket as soon as as soon as they announced the date, and I realized that I could make it work. You know, in my in my work life and, and life life, uh, I yeah, I, I convinced a friend to come with me, so I'm not going by myself for this. But we're flying over, and I will be there for all of it. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to with the upcoming coronation? Oh, I just think the whole experience is going to be so amazing. I mean, it's it's a historic event. So it's the ability to be part of history. It's the ability to be part of something that will, you know, never happen again. He's, you know, there's only going to be one coronation for King Charles. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, you know, hopefully scoping out a really good spot on the, the mall or somewhere and being able to, you know, watch the processions and, and again, you know, meet other people. You know, I know you ladies have talked about the community that forms at these events where you're just waiting with people who are excited from all over the world to be there. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing the carriages and the processions. You know, I'm secretly hoping Prince Louis makes an appearance. (laughs) As you do, I I adore him. He's just great. Um, So yeah, I'm just looking forward to the whole experience, just being there and being a part of it, being in the city. I'm sure it'll be, there'll be energy, you know, in the city of London during that whole time with people coming to visit. And we're looking forward to meeting you as well. Give me a nice little cuddle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to that. (laughs) Thank you so much for um, coming in and sharing your royal insights with us today on the podcast. And it's so lovely to have you as part of the royal community. So thank you so much for everything you do for us. Well, thank you. Thank you for creating this. It's It's a wonderful place to be. Thank you so much to Julie for having a sit down with us and talking all things royal. Next, we're moving to Germany and we sat down with Charlotte and she described why she loves the royal family. She went to boarding school in England, but lives in Germany now, who her favourite royal is, and the feelings towards the royals in Germany, and also what she thinks about the future of the monarchy. We are so happy to be joined by Charlotte today. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, so nice to be here. Charlotte, you're in Germany, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, you grew up or you went to school in the UK though, didn't you? Well, I I grew up in Germany before and went to boarding school in the UK then. 
So yeah, a bit of UK experience, but um, yeah, I'm back in Germany now. I bet everyone out there is thinking, did she have a Hogwarts experience? (laughs) (laughs) I I would love that. No, it wasn't very Hogwarts-like, but it was amazing. Yeah, I think everyone thinks British schools are Hogwarts, but they're nothing like (laughs) it. Nothing at all. (laughs) We didn't even have a school uniform, so no magic. It was really bad. (laughs) No, No, we did. We had to put our school uniform on every single day. So let's start then by asking you, why do you love the royal family? What is it? What was the, the impetus? Oh, wow. Well, that's actually going back to boarding school in the UK because I became a royal. I can actually put the exact uh, date where I became a royal fan. It was the 29th of April, 2011. Wow. What a Drum roll, please. <laughs> yeah. So because I was at an international school, we didn't get the bank holiday for the wedding of uh, William and Catherine. Basically, we went from classroom to classroom, but just watched the wedding there. And yeah, I watched the wedding and I was so fascinated. It kind of stuck. Here we are so many years later. I've just been a fan of the royals ever since. Would you say William and Catherine are your favorite royals? Um, well, I'm, I would say Catherine is one of my favorite royals. Um, probably it used to be the queen. I mean, she was such a picture of dedication and commitment and service and beauty. So I admired her hugely. And I mean, it wasn't the queen of the United Kingdom, the Commonwealth and the realms, but it was the queen in German newspapers and so on. It was just like as if there was only one queen. Yeah, of course, the Princess of Wales was always also one of my favorite royals. And yeah, she just she has such an amazing connection with people. And I love that. And also she she radiates joy during her engagements and she always comes so well prepared, which I love. I also do charity work in my free time. And, um, well, if I would only be able to connect half as well with people as she does, be amazing. I mean, I always try. And she just motivates me every time to go out there and be very open and very, very prepared, which is always so important. So probably Catherine and the late Queen are tied for number one. (laughs) It's so interesting what you said about Germany and how they see the queen as the queen not the queen of whatever and i just wondered like what is the feelings about the royal family in germany at the moment well i mean germany hasn't had a monarchy for a very very long time so we're kind of disconnected from that concept probably Mm -hmm. and i don't know maybe we see it a bit of as a reality show, we maybe feel a bit more connected as we would do, for instance, to, I don't know, well, you're keeping up with the the Windsors. So we feel more connected than with the Kardashians, to use the phrase, but no. I mean, it's culturally more close to us. Maybe it's a bit easier to understand. I mean, they're loved for their fashion, but not a lot of the charity work actually comes through. So they're reported a lot on and well, you can just click on Kate Middleton. That's what they call her in the media here as well. So you, you always have like those news feeds and stuff and they report a lot, but mostly about fashion and about the trouble in the family if there's well there is a lot of trouble now but like um only, <laughs> yeah um only if there's stuff like that so um it's not very much about the work they do just more about yeah. mm-hmm. everything else around it the family drama <laughs> yes the family, the family drama is very popular here <laughs> 
So talking of the family drama, we have obviously Meghan and Harry's docu-series come out on Netflix. We've also had the Oprah interview, Harry's books coming out. What do you think? What is the reaction in Germany to all of these things? Oh, wow. There's a lot of news. And even the news tickers of German, well, fairly well-known and fairly respected news outlets actually give news about the book and also about the the Netflix uh, docu- documentary, if you want to call it that. Um, they love to report about the drama. I think the opinions are divided. They do understand that it's very bad if there's bad news about the heir to the throne. So that does get reported. So they did jump very quickly on the William and Harry story from the book. So that was very easily reported and people talked about William's temper and stuff like that. So that is news. I mean, a lot of people were fans of Megan because her fashion was very... Well, I mean, she she did look very nice. She was an American actress. So the interest there was really, really big. So I think they had a bonus there. But I mean, I think everyone kind of doesn't like people airing dirty laundry in public. I think that's the general opinion. Yeah, I think you've got an amazing perspective because you've got the British element because you've lived in Britain and then you also are working and living in Germany now. So you have both sides of the, the, the coin, basically, to have such an amazing perspective on what it's like to love the royals, but also not have them so in your daily business if that makes sense oh there's so much in my daily business <laughs> <laughs> i kind of meant that more in like a german kind of culture way <laughs> rather true, than in yours because because we know charlotte you've also got an instagram account haven't you yes i do yes so what made you start your instagram account i actually i mean i thought about it for a very long time and when the queen died it was kind of I mean, it's a weird point of starting an Instagram account because it's such a sad occasion. For me, that was the point where I was like, okay, I spent so much of my free time on the royals. If I go on there, I know I'm in my little royal bubble and communicate with people. It's very nice to message with people and exchange views and stuff. I met a lot of people over that Instagram account, actually, even though it's so small. They may be the royal family of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth realms, but their values just transfer and their work transfers to other areas. And it's just important that if that resonates with you, it's okay to actually have it resonate with you and to feel that. So it's nice if you, yeah, I don't know, if you're validated in that sense. And it's interesting now where we're going to go with the monarchy because they are really taking a hit at the moment with Harry's book and like we mentioned before the docu-series and the Oprah interview and a lot of people are divided aren't they between whether they're you know team Harry and Meghan team Windsor I don't think it's as as simple as that is there there's so much in between us and I'm sure there's the truth right in the middle of that but do you think they can survive the negativity I think they can basically what is really sad to me about this except that this is a family and everything I mean there are two sides to every story but whatever happened there is just very sad for this family and for this to be so open so they would be so important right now and they could help people so much I mean that's one of the biggest parts of having non-political heads of state um, that they actually have that link and make you feel understood It's actually really funny because in Germany, we also have a non-political head of state, which a lot of people really 
don't realize because he's not as well well known in the international community. It's the Bundespräsident, so he would that would translate to president. And but most people only know the Chancellor because Chancellor Merkel was uh, in office for so long, and everyone knew her. It's very funny that actually, if you think about Germany, the people only look at the political figurehead. But in the UK, the most well-known person is oh, well, the most most known people. You can say yeah, say uh, that yeah. Are <laughs> uh, the royal family? So. Yeah, that's just, it's a huge difference and it always amazes me. So the royal family would be taking the, well, they are basically in that position that the president is in Germany. Yes, he and his wife, they have, uh, well, it's not a castle. We don't have castle. Actually. <laughs> it's not as glamorous anymore in Germany. But um, yeah, they have an official residence and everything. And they also travel for the country. So um if there are state funerals and everything, sometimes they do travel. So, for instance, would would the president be going to the Pope's funeral? He would be, yes, yeah. But um, yeah, they change. It's it's not a job for life, so it's a, it's it's very different still. It fulfills the same kind of role, doesn't it? It, it fulfills the same kind of role, yeah, within the political system, yes. yeah. Now there's this drama, and basically, people can't really feel maybe can't really feel connected because there's so much happening and do you really want to follow an heir to the throne who maybe hit his brother or pushed his brother or whatever i mean we don't we don't really have the um english version of it now so it's uh it's only translated so we'll see what comes out there but um i think it makes people very unsure and that's even more sad in times like these because people would need the royal family even more. But um, I think that, um, well, after Oprah, I thought, oh, wow, I don't know if they're, if they can survive this. And then came the next thing and then came the next thing. And now we're basically in this nonstop, um, yeah, nonstop news cycle of Harry and Meghan. It's a non-stop drama, isn't it? And it's it's kind of like, well, where is it going to end? What's what's the end game here? Exactly. And they keep. I mean, he's, Harry said he wants the monarchies to survive, and I'm, at some point, I'm just like, okay, I think actually, with giving so much information and also conflicting information in the various programs, they actually put down what they say. And they actually make it easier for the royal family because people start to question what they're saying even more because people are like, okay, well, you said something else two weeks ago. So what is the truth? Is there truth in this? Or is this just you being angry, you being spoiled? And um, maybe it's actually good you left. So I think actually with how they're acting right now, they're making it easier for the monarchy to survive. Yeah, I think we'll see the royal family changing. I think they need to change. They also need to change some of the approach they have to social media and everything and need to work on that. I think we'll see the monarchy surviving. I do think at some point we'll see the concept of a more slimmed down monarchy. I mean, it's happening. The other European royal families have done it. So I think that will happen. What I just think is very sad is that royals always gave a bit of I don't know. It was always a bit of a magical sparkle. And um, what Harry is doing there, talking about, well, too many very, very personal things, I think it's taking away that sparkle a bit. And I think that's just very, very dangerous. 
because a bit of mystery has to remain. I think we all need that. We all need a bit of fairy tale in the end. And that's what we love and that's what we come there for as well. So I think that's actually really, really sad that they're losing that a bit. It reminds me of like when you go, I mean, I love theme parks, I love rides. It's like when you go on a ride and it breaks down and then all the lights turn on because they need to like evac the the, the <laughs> ride, you get an ev- evacuation and you're like, oh, that's how the magic was made. Oh, <laughs> yes, it doesn't exactly. feel as great anymore, you know. And you just like, oh, I wish it just was the ride that I just wanted it in my head, <laughs> you know. I didn't need to see the lights turn on, and I think that's the thing with this book. I didn't need to know all the info. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just like no, I don't. I don't want to know. I I wouldn't want to know from also people who I just know distantly some stuff of that it's just just keep it private it's okay it's all good but just don't tell me and um with the royals it's even it's even more important and yeah so that's that's just really sad but I do think they'll survive it and they'll find their place with everything that's going on if Charles survived Tampon Gate, I think <laughs> the Royals will kind of be all right. It'll take some time, but um, the whole circumcision and the whole uh, frostbite stuff, like that is, yeah. Oh my goodness. Did not need me. to know that. Did no, we did not need to know that. To know that. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's just the point. There was so much drama before and they survived that. Of course, they had the Queen and I think she got the royal family through a lot of it, but. Still, there is still people that um, just generate interest in the royal family. And I think they'll also be able to survive this if they have survived Andrew. I mean, anyone is like, okay, there are still people talking about it, but it's not top news anymore. And this also could have been a huge problem. And I mean, if they've survived everything else, I think there is a good chance they'll also make it through this well thank you so much charlotte for giving us your uh, royal insight into your life as a royal <laughs> community member can you please let the royal community know where they can find you on instagram because we would love people to come and follow you because you you actually talk about the the i was gonna say cambridges then you talk <laughs> about the wales is w over on instagram Yes, yes, I do. Um, my uh, account is actually called From Cambridge to Wales because, yeah, I made it at a point where the name changed. And for me, it was also, I started following the royals at Kate and William's wedding, like you said, and it was, they became the Cam- Cambridges that day. And when I made the account, they had just become the Waleses. So, yeah, that's why I chose the name. So I'll see you there, I hope. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. We'll, we will link Charlotte's Instagram in the show notes. And also as well, we'll pop a link up on Instagram as well. So if you're watching this in real time, you'll be able to get that over on our Instagram page. Charlotte, we love you. Thank you so much for being here and supporting us. <laughs> Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much to Charlotte for sitting down with Rachel and I and talking to us about the royal family. Next, we are going to be chatting with Bedweer, who's from Wales. And we're going to be chatting all about how it feels to be a royal when everyone around you doesn't like the royal family. We also chat to him about living in Wales and being a young person right now and what that feels like being a royal fan. So let's get straight into our lovely catch up with Bedweird. Welcome to our 100th episode. Are you excited? As excited as us? 
<laughs> yes, very excited. It's like a dream come true, really. <laughs> oh. Let's start with what made you follow the royal family? Yeah, so I've been a royal fan probably since probably uh, 2009. So it's been on different levels. And recently, over the past few years, when I got proper into the royal family, that's when I found you guys on Instagram and Spotify. So I've been taking everything you say and taking tips, especially trooping the colour. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... It all started when I met Prince Charles, um, he was then, um, when he came to our village um, back in 2009, I think. We were school children, so we all, everyone in the village got excited. Um, and as school children, we got a chance to kind of shake his hand. My mother shaked his hand as well. So we've got a picture of that at home. But yeah, so I think it just started then. I didn't really know anything about the royal family. And then 2011, 2012, that's when it all kicked in. Kate and William's wedding and also the Diamond Jubilee. And that's when I kind of knew there was something... Ooh, royal family what is this and i've been brought up in a kind of very welsh anti-union jack kind of um family so i remember on the night of the jubilee party going to my bedroom and making a little union jack flag out of like crayons and pens putting it on a chopstick so i can go to the living room and fly a flag so i think it all started there yeah. As you could probably hear, Royal Community Bedworth is Welsh as am I. Proper Welsh. <laughs> Who you are my accent. <laughs> yeah, my accent is probably really strong. I love it. I mean, that's the beauty of living in Britain, isn't it? You can live five miles away from someone and have the completely different accents. And I I just love that about the UK. What I also love about what you've just said is I connected to the royals because my first ever meeting was meeting print well i saw princess Anne. she came to open the, the library at our school and that was a big deal because nobody would like come to our school they go to other schools but not ours and then to have a royal take her time to come down on a helicopter and then open our library was just magnificent so i really do kind of connect to that sense of awe like whoa this is a big deal. Yeah. In like small villages, it's the biggest thing that's happened for ages. <laughs> like, we all just remember yeah. that. And what's interesting, Bedworth, is obviously Michelle's spoken about being Welsh and being a royal fam. And you said you've been brought up in this environment where it's it's not, I guess, cool to like the royal family, right? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So I've been brought up and I, I guess I could say nationalist kind of family. I went to a Welsh school where Welsh nationalism is a big part, the Eisteddfod and things like that. So yeah, when I started to like the royal family, I got bullied about it. Someone called me a royalist puff on Twitter. Oh no. I used to collect Hello magazines. That's the way I kind of kept my royal collection. And then when that all of that happened when I was around 18, um, I kind of stopped liking anything royal. I stopped collecting anything. I kind of shut it down because I was like, oh, I... I don't, I don't want to be bullied about it. And then I went to university and things. And then that's when I kind of found my identity more. Um, and then I thought, you know what? I don't care what they say. I'm going to love yeah. the royal family. And then it's gone yes! to the new extreme now where I collect everything I see. The amount of <laughs> newspapers and magazines I've got is unbelievable. I, I bet it. you've got such a Jubilee collection, right? From the Platinum Jubilee. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I've got um, like um, tins and just oh, everything. I. The first thing I do when there's big royal events is go to the newspapers and then buy every single one. Yeah, that's similar to you, Rach, isn't it? Yeah, when the Queen passed away, that's exactly what I did. I was like, right, as soon as the shop's open, I need to go and get all the newspapers. And I just just have them stored in a cupboard. But I think, you know, I can look back on those in 30 odd years time 
and you never know Pedro, if it might be on Antiques Roadshow exactly exactly <laughs> it might be collectibles <laughs> but my, my mum is fed up with them because there's so many of them under my bed at home she's like get rid of them <laughs> but I think as well they they signify such a turning point in your independence as a person as well so holding on to those memories and also believing in who you are and what you like and that is just so that's as much to be treasured as the material things just that internal i'm i'm happy with who i am and what i stand for yeah and it's okay to be different than other people and actually when you come to the royal community you realize you're not different as many people because we're all here together you know and that's the beauty of it yeah and i think by coming on um kind of learning more about um, your podcast and things, you understand that oh, there is a royal community. I'm not kind of yeah. alone, a weird one. I think we've all felt yeah. a little bit weird in our own ways. I think, Rach, you grew up with a family who loved the royals. I didn't. So I did feel that disconnect as well. Yeah, I didn't grow up as in... The, my family don't love the royals as much as I do, but we would watch, say, for instance, Troop in the Colour and things like that on TV every year. It, whenever there was a royal occasion, we would watch it. So in that sense, yes, but you know, they're not in a royal community like I am. So when I talk to people and I say, oh, I've got a royal podcast, I've got an Instagram, and they're like, really? Some people, so I guess for you, Bedrith, one being from a Welsh nationalist area as such, and then you've also, you're in the younger generation. What are your friends? What do your friends think? Are they interested in like you are or do they not really care? None of them like the royal family. So it's it's kind of hard, especially with the change of the titles of Prince of Wales. I think most of my friends, they're all against it and things. And then I'm the awkwardly a bit like, ooh, like, I don't mind. (laughs) And as well in work and things and also with my family, I feel like everything becomes a debate. Yeah. And everything becomes a we start to fall out and I'm like, I don't want to like the royal family to fall out with people. It's just my interest. Um, and then politics aside, that, that's a different story then to me. Yeah, I think that's very hard for people to differentiate, isn't it? Between the politics of it all and actually the love of history of an institution, of the people who actually are within the family unit. There's so many aspects to it. And to only see it in one way just feels very black and white thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, and I... I feel there's a lot, a lot of it is also social media and things. It's such a strong kind of Welsh nationalist social media um, push. So I feel sometimes I can't really say anything on social media because I know I'll get mean comments and stuff. Because I did an article um, around the Jubilee time saying that I support Welsh independence, but also love the Queen. And I had a lot of backlash on that kind of people just saying, or there's something wrong in my head and things. And it's just a bit like, why can't people just look at that and be like, oh, okay, I understand. That's just your opinion. Just the same I look at yours and think, okay, you hate the Queen. That's your opinion. Yeah, exactly. I I don't go to them and give hate to them. It is about being nuanced, isn't it? Rather than you either do this or you do that. There's so much grey area in between. And that's hard to get across on social media because you get those extreme views yeah. that kind of wipe away all of the actual more rational thinking. Yeah. What was the view when the when we had the accession of the king and he went to Wales and we also had William and Catherine, as you said, they were given the title of the Prince and Princess of Wales. What was the reaction? Because what we saw on the TV was the crowds were coming out to see the king and William and Catherine. But 
Are you, you know, that's only one area of Wales, right? So, yeah, I was in Cardiff on the day when he came to the CNEV, so Parliament of Wales. So I was down there. Um, and the reaction, because I'm friends with Welsh Nationalists online and stuff, the reaction's kind of very negative because the day they came to Wales was the day where we remember our last Prince of Wales. The Owen Glyndwr day was the day he came. And a lot of people saw that as they've done it on purpose to suppress the idea of there was a Prince of Wales and we need to remember this is the Prince of Wales now. So when I was in um, down in the Senev, um, there were a lot of protests and people um, holding flags of the, the true Prince of Wales. And in that kind of scenario, you kind of panic a bit because as a Welsh person, you don't really, I knew the people as well. So I didn't want to kind of make it look like I was supporting them, but also I wanted to support it. So it was kind of hard in that situation. But there's a lot of backlash um, with the titles of Prince of Wales. Yeah. And what's interesting is we had backlash on when we spoke about should the Prince of Wales, William, be the Prince of Wales because he is an English prince. He lives in England. He doesn't live in England. And Shell said the Prince of Wales, in her opinion, should live in Wales. They should or they should be in Wales a lot more than what they already are. Yeah. And I th- I, I was hoping because... Prince, well, King Charles has been Prince of Wales for so long. I, I was hoping, even when he became Prince of Wales, there was a, a lot of backlash. So you'd think by now they'd go, we don't want that. Let's try our best to not disrespect the people of Wales and make the title work more rather than just a title, just to have a title, make it work for Wales as well. And not try and replace the old title, but just make it work in a modern royal family and it's quite unfortunate I haven't seen any of that and it's kind of not really worked. We could talk about this subject forever because you know (laughs) I'm very passionate about it (laughs) and maybe we should uh, in like an Instagram or something. Talking about Instagram, Bedworth you have your own Instagram account now. What is it called and where can people come and follow you? Yes so Christmas time I thought I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own Instagram account. Um, so it's royal underscore Brenhinol. So Brenhinol means royal in Welsh. So that's B-R-E-N-H-I-N-O-L. Amazing. So, yeah. What would they find over on your Instagram? Um, it's just like updates of what's happening and just kind of news. When things come out, I'll kind of post about it quite quick. And if there's anything maybe... Um, more Welsh related I'll kind of talk more about that then I've got a few quick questions before we let you go the first is who is your favourite royal and why I think mine is Sophie Countess of Wessex hey yes. Sophie <laughs> yeah because over I think it happened when um, the Duke of Edinburgh died that's when I noticed her because I've never really noticed her and the way she just took it like in not pride but just she just carried the grief well and one of the moments inspired me a bit was when she did an interview with Radio 5 Live. And she talked about the moment she had taken a picture of the Queen in Duke of Edinburgh um, up in Scotland. And the moment she, like, she has when she thinks about um, them and like the wave of grief that comes. And she just spoke about that so perfectly because I think everyone deals with grief in different ways. I've, I've dealt with grief um, in different ways. And just hearing that was kind of inspirational. Um, but yeah, she's just amazing. Love it. And my last question for you, what is your favourite charity or initiative um, of your favourite royal? Um, I think it's her kind of undercover work because she's not in your face. She doesn't kind of make drama about anything. She just does these things without people knowing, like the 
um, calling um, Edna on the phone over lockdown and things and the vaccination centre. We never knew about that at the time. Yeah. Um, so it's just nice. Oh, like she she does it just to do it because she's kind of a good person. Yeah. Not to make sure the cameras look good on her. That was my favourite engagement of Sophie's last year. She just came across so personal. And like you said, it wasn't until after that it happened that we found out about it. Mm. Like she's not doing it for accolades or to get attention. She's doing it because she cares. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually think that is the the core message of service, isn't it? You're doing it for others. And she is the epitome of what a royal means. And I'm so happy that she's getting the recognition now because they have moved up in the ranks. And if you would listen to our last episode, we talked about our predictions. And my prediction is that I hope, fingers crossed, that they become the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. And also that they have their own social media platform, Bagshot Royal. That's what I'm hoping <laughs> for them. <laughs> Definitely. I'm hoping for that as well. And I also love that Edwards got the Duke of Edinburgh Award because um, I did it. And I thought that was such a vital part of my kind of youth and learning so much. So I'm glad he's kind of taken over that. What award did you get? Um, bronze and silver. Oh, lovely. Wow. Were you up in the Welsh mountains doing like um, orienteering and stuff? Up in the Welsh Mountains in rain with a little <laughs> compass freezing, I wanted to get it. home. <laughs> oh, the Duke of Edinburgh would have been proud of you. He would have. I hope so. He would have tipped his hat to you. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your love of the Royals. It's been amazing talking to you. Again, where can people find you on your Instagram? Um, Royal and Scorbrenhinol. Fantastic. And we'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Frederick. Honestly, I could have chatted to him for ages, Shell. That was absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, it really was. And he was so vulnerable as well, wasn't he? I love that. He really was. And maybe one day we'll have him back on the podcast because I think it would be really interesting to chat to him some more. Yeah, absolutely. Next, we're going to chat to Amy and she's going to talk about what member of the family got her into being a royal fan and royal community? It's not who you think it may be. <laughs> she also chats about giving a Diana book when she was younger and how she found her own royal community in her local area. So let's meet Amy. We are so thankful to have you on the podcast and for taking your time out to talk to us about your royal experiences. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good. Amazing. Um, I just want to start really quickly and just can you give the royal community some back kind of backstory on why the royal family what is it that started you following them so um pretty simple story but i think it speaks to the overall brand of the royal family internationally so i grew up in a tiny town in nebraska which is a very small farming community in the middle of the country a lot of folks probably have never heard of it town of 400 people um my father had to go to the hospital for just a routine thing we went to a big town and i happened to walk into a, a, a grocery store that had a rack of magazines we were going to the hospital to sit and wait and it was 1986 and the, I saw a wall of stories about the Duke of York marrying this beautiful redheaded woman, Sarah Ferguson. And I was 15 years old and I picked up two of these magazines. My mom bought them and I took, I just, I loved them. We went back home to our small town. I clipped a little subscription at the, at the back of it, went to the bank, had to get pounds. No one in my small town had ever had a British pound, had ever, so had to do all that to send off her subscription. And I was hooked. I was hooked. Loved you were it. a trailblazer. <laughs> I was a trailblazer. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. No one in my tiny town had ever heard of. I mean, I mailed things to London. I remember the postmaster was like, London. Mm. Oh, London. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Were you able to watch the wedding on TV? Um, no. So I didn't see the wedding. When I was 15, I didn't see the wedding. It was later on that I bought a VHS and watched it. I mean, those were back in the days where you didn't have, you know, record and keep and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't see it live. And then, of course, I found out about Princess Diana. I was, I think, what, 10 when she got married. So I don't remember any of it. But of course, by the time I was 15, 16, 17, and I'd fallen in love with the royal family, I consumed everything. I have Diana books. I bought everything I could buy. It was every Christmas. People were like, oh, she's getting another royal book. What a <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah. And did you did you have many friends that were interested in the royals like you were? You know, not in my small town. No, I was an oddity. I was a strange kid, apparently. Yeah, no, not really. I, that's what I love about the royal community, actually, because we all felt, I'm, I mean, I felt quite strange because no one around me liked the royal family and I kept it quiet. So even when I started this podcast, and no lie, even when I started this podcast, my fa- my family said, what are you doing that for? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, um, um, I, I kind of like the royal family. <laughs> so it's interesting, isn't it? It is. I think I think it's one of those things, you know, if you know, you know, when you have friends that so here in Wyoming, now that we live here, we we have I have a small group of friends and we all know that we love the royal family. So we text each other and talk. And can you believe what, you know, and did you see this? And, and of course, I'm very, very lucky, which is it's I mean, it's not that common of an occurrence, but my neighbor across the in this subdivision, she's British, uh, married an oh. American neighbor married American naval officer when she was in her 20s, um, raised her, they have, they have a son, raised here. So she's also American, uh, but her mom's still in the um, So I'm I'm very lucky. I, I just took a walk this morning with her and we just were chatting all things royal family. So I, I'm I'm lucky in that. Very lucky. Does that mean you were chatting about Harry's memoir coming up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, we were. Will you be reading? <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm not going to buy the book. Uh, I think I can consume, I mean, just from what I've seen, I think I can consume as much as I'm going to tolerate of Harry. So no, I won't buy the book. What do you think is going to be the fallout then, if there will be? Uh, do you think Harry will reconcile with the family? I mean, I, I don't think anytime soon. I, I don't see how. Maybe later in life when he gets a little older um, and works out whatever issues that he has, perhaps which I think is very, very sad for the king. I mean, this is a family after all. I know we all get to watch them and see them, but these are humans and, you know, this is his son. I I don't see it right now. I mean, do you, I don't see how they can find a path forward. It doesn't seem as though, I mean, Harry may be saying he wants a family to be reconciled, but he's not doing the things that he would need to do to reconcile. So no, sadly, I don't see it coming anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, it's it's quite hard, isn't it? Because we haven't really, we've seen and heard snippets of the book, but we've not had it in its entirety yet. So although all these stories are coming out, I think until that book is actually out in its full version, then, you know, these stories won't come to light in the full way it's supposed to be read as a reader, the way you're going to consume it. Yeah, no, I think that's and that's that's absolutely fair. It's it's fair. It's it's better when everybody can actually just read the whole thing as Harry wanted to present it from page one to to the end to get a sense of it. But you know, I I don't know. One has to wonder how, how in the world did this book get leaked? Why did you know? I think one of the very first leaks went to what the Guardian, which is one of the most Republican newspapers and you know broadsheets, I think, in England. I'm I'm I, since I've been in communications and very much in politics, I'm really skeptical. Yeah. Mm. 
I think it's um, as my favorite phrase on the podcast, only time will tell with this one. But I, I don't know. We've got tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday, Royal Community. So tomorrow we've got Harry's interviews coming out. And I think, again, we will find a little bit more out about it. But I'm actually, from the excerpts that I've read so far, I'm very interested to listen to the audiobook in its entirety to see how it actually pans out as a full body of work rather than these little tiny bits that, you know, we know what a tabloid press are like. They're going to pick up the salacious bits. They're going to pick up the drama. But how does that fit into the whole book? That's what happens with the Netflix yeah. documentary as well. They pick out the bits, but actually the whole thing was actually pretty tame. <laughs> it was the, yeah. the main bits coming out. So Yeah, it, was, it wasn't anything that we hadn't had before, was it? So Yeah, no, and it's true. I mean, they want the headline, so you'll buy the piece. They want the clickbait, so you'll click on the thing and read it. And you just get that little take. So no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I'll be interested to hear you all's take, and that's your job, to read the whole book and tell us. <laughs> well, the audio book I had a look today, and it's 15 hours long, so... <laughs> If you're well, listening. I'm literally, <laughs> I've got two hours left of um, Revenge, Tom Bauer's book, uh, audio, and I think that was 16 hours. So two speed is your friend when you're listening to audio books. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, I do have another question for you, Amy, before we, uh, we let you go. You mentioned earlier that people, your friends and your family would buy you presents. What was your favorite royal related present you've been given? Mm, I think probably the book about um, um, Princess Diana's wedding. I, I, I just love that. I got, it was a picture book from one of the photographers and I forget, I'd have to go downstairs. I have a whole, it's all packed away, but it was a, it was the, of her wedding. And I just, I mean, she really was a fairy tale bride, wasn't she? I mean, it was just perhaps now not my most favorite wedding dress, but for the moment and the time, it was just, I just, I loved it. I loved everything about it. The pageantry, the little ones. I loved Sarah and Andrew's wedding. And it was obviously the first thing that got me hooked, but it, that book was a big deal to me because at the beginning it was all just picture books. Now I read actual, you know, written biographies about these folks, but then it was just the picture books and it was just wonderful. Little kid, young girl in a town of 400. Yeah. Yep. And you, and you buy into the fairy tale, don't you? Oh yes, I did. I so I sort of, you know, fifty-some-year-old Amy thinks a little differently of Diana than than fifteen-year-old Amy did. But but yes, definitely. Yeah. It's um, it's I don't know what what's been your your most positive experience of being part of the royal community, as in following the royal family. What's been a positive for you? You know, um, because I started off by reading a lot of like, I think, Majesty, some of these royal magazines. I, I'm I'm also a huge history buff. It was wonderful in the sense that you also read a lot of history. I read a lot about Queen Victoria, even going back, I mean, all the, way to all the Henrys. Um, and I fell in love with that. And so a lot of the royal people that I, you know, fans that I enjoy also read a lot of history. And it's sort of part of the fabric of what makes, I think, the Institute of Monarchy so important to Great Britain. Um, so I love that. And then, of course, I just love the camaraderie of, I mean, you know, we all gossip about this, that, and the other, because you get to see it. We get to watch it and it is very enjoyable. And yeah, it's my, it's my fun hobby that I have outside of work. Yeah. I think personally for me, it is a bit exactly what you, you're saying, really. It's a bit of a disconnect from your normal reality, from your day-to-day -day stresses. All of a sudden you're just exported into a world that feels I mean on my personal opinion feels alien to my real life like oh wow look at them in their palaces and whatever and it's it just feels like that little tiny bit of magic that I need you know to transport me away yes. no absolutely I mean that's part of the pomp and circumstance of the monarchy that is very very 
enjoyable and lovely. And But overall, I think it's a huge and very important part of your country. What do you think going forward now we've had all this drama come out with Harry's memoir and the Netflix docuseries? What do you think that holds the future holds for the institution? You know, I, I mean, I hope. I, I think I have I have two answers. I, I hope, obviously, as an American and someone who's who you know has been involved in politics and and foreign policy to a certain extent, I certainly hope that the institution holds. I think it's vitally important. You're one of our biggest allies. So, from that perspective, um, from the perspective of the institution as also being a, a family, I certainly hope that they can get through this and get past it for the British people um, and for the good of, of the Commonwealth. I, I hope it can weather this. I think it can. I mean, I, I think there's just too much of an air of silliness about some of the things that Harry has said and done that um, while you, we can all relate to how clearly emotionally devastated he's been by some of the things that have happened to him. I can't, I mean, I remember him walking behind that casket and thinking that's a lot for someone that young, that's, that's a lot to, that's a huge burden to put on them. He's a grown man now with all of the mental health tools available to him. I think this institution will survive this. I do. Only time will tell, as Shell says. (laughs) Only time will tell. tell. (laughs) I think that's the perfect way to say thank you so much for spending your time with us today and talking about your royal journey as a community member and having this as a hobby and and sharing it with like-minded people because you are what makes the community. So thank you so much for being part of it. Thanks for having me. The biggest thank you to Amy for coming on to the podcast today and celebrating with us for our 100th episode. Finally, on our Royal Community Spotlight episode, we are going to be welcoming Anna. She's from East Ontario in Canada. And what I love about Anna, she actually grew up without any media. So she didn't know about the royal family at all until she was older. And she didn't even know who Princess Diana was. The Duchess of Sussex has been a big inspiration to her and also how the Princess of Wales has got her volunteering. So let's hear all from Anna in Canada. We would like to welcome Anna. Anna, you live in Canada, don't you? Yes, I'm in Canada, in Ontario, actually, Eastern Ontario. So one of the Commonwealth countries, what's the feeling like for the royal family in Canada? Well, I would say generally the, the sentiment is that they're they're favorably received in the majority of Canada. In Quebec, however, it's, it's a bit different. Both my dad and my brother lived there. And um, like when the Queen passed away, uh, they didn't give government workers a day off. So they generally follow the French tradition. That's a bit different. Uh, when King Charles III and Camilla, the Queen Consort, came to visit and they were, uh, it was the Prince of Wales at the time, Camilla. Last year, I wanted to go, but I just had a baby, so I couldn't go. But I do intend to go next time anybody comes from the royal family, for sure. So, because I live right near Ottawa. Well, Rachel made a prediction that she thinks there might possibly be a royal tour to uh, Canada this year. I mean, it's only a prediction. So, fingers crossed, though, because that'd be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and also, we might get Camilla in that big hat again, because when she came to Canada, she was wearing the most amazing hat. Oh. I love it. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so let's talk about the origins then of your love of the royals. What made you follow the royal family? In the past few years, I've been inspired by the royal family after watching Meghan Markle and Prince Harry get married. Uh, so that was live mm-hmm. online from Canada. 
Um, but when I was growing up, I was raised uh, socially isolated from the media. I only knew about Queen Elizabeth II because she's on Canadian money. And my mother told me once that she used to sing God Save the Queen at school. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But during my gap year, while volunteering in Aberdeenshire, Scotland, I found out that Princess Diana had existed the day she, she died. Unfortunately, when another oh. co-worker told that, yeah. I didn't know that there was a Princess Diana. Um, although years later, I re- realized that she had puffy sleeves on her wedding dress. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as a child, <laughs> I had always had a fast fascination for puffy sleeves. So it was just a coincidence. And I became aware of that there were two British Canadian princes a bit um, younger than I when I was in my 20s. So by then I had a well-formed perspective of my own identity. Yeah. But now I have a fondness for, for them, especially because Meghan Markle's from North America. So I, yeah. I followed that trend. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that wedding was so beautiful, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. What do your friends and family think of your love for the royals? Um, I think they're supportive. Meghan Markle inspired me, like I said, to uh, to marry a second time. And that's why I am with my second husband. Um, They are happy that I'm running six miles a day. Yes! (laughs) Go on out! I love it. Honestly, it's amazing. (laughs) I had to work up to that, especially since I had my baby a few months ago. Oh, wow. Um, You're doing amazing. (laughs) <laughs> thanks yeah my husband is glad that i'm going to start volunteering actually with home start in the uk um oh wow yeah i put my name in yeah. for uh it's online um i'm with richmondshire and uh, this is one of the organizations the princess of wales recommends volunteering with uh, through the royal foundation and she's a fond of early childhood so this is something also that's dear to me and i'm a an elementary school teacher um since 2007 so i feel like i have valuable skills um to offer for that we don't have like the elementary system here so what age is is that um well i'm qualified for uh right up to from birth to well to grade 12 so up to age 18 so wow here we have like different sections so you have like a primary school teacher or you have a secondary school teacher or then you have a lecturer so it's very different I guess in that way that's amazing yeah yeah oh that's great yeah Yeah, I'm super excited about that we found out a little bit about you and you actually (laughs) went to Boston to have a look at the Prince and Princess of Wales yes. at the Earthshot Prize. And I've seen some of your <laughs> videos and pictures and I was mesmerized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No, for sure. It was in December 2022. I saw Prince William and Princess Kate from across the street in Boston. This was the first time I had seen any royal person in my life at the age of 44. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. Um, my husband, my youngest daughter, and I were in the crowd outside of MGM. And after waiting for a couple of hours, the royal couple arrived, like you saw in the video. Yeah. And the tall Prince William waved in our direction above the heads of pretty much everybody else. And I waved back. Don't worry, we've yeah. been there. Yeah. Anna, we've been there. We've done the exact same thing. <laughs> Okay. So you so you got to see Catherine's amazing green dress then that she wore. Yes, for sure. I saw her dress and just everything was like green. There was like the in Boston they had lights on a bridge lit up green and so yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I would I would like to meet um, him in person face to face. So if anybody knows him or is listening, <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. Us too, please. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, and actually prior to going to Boston, I read uh, Earthshot, How to Save Our Planet. Um, Prince William wrote the introduction and he explained the Earthshot concept. And I know you, one of you wrote me that you want to read that book. So when you were in Boston, did you actually go to any of those initiatives that are connected to those five goals within Earthshot? Um, no, I don't. We just actually, we, my husband and I and our baby walked uh, about 6.35 uh, kilometers to get from our hotel. We stayed at one of the uh, sustainable hotels to oh, get nice. to the Boston Awards. So we chose not to drive. It was our helping environment. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty neat. So um, I've heard you're coming over for the coronation as well. Um, I'm not sure. It, I'm hoping to um, find some people who are interested in going. If not, it would be hard to go because of my, my daughter should be one. Um, yeah, so we'll see, hopefully. <laughs> Do you think she's going to turn into a royal watcher? Do you think she's on the path <laughs> of becoming the part of the royal community? Well, um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, her name's Marie, and actually, uh, we're going to France this summer, and I'm going to take her to the Palace of Versailles and do a little video of Marie walking in the oh, Palais de Versailles. One of my favourite places <laughs> is the Palace of Versailles. I absolutely loved visiting there. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm excited. And, and Rachel's got a love affair with Marie Antoinette. Absolutely love her. <sighs> yeah. Oh. There's not one thing oh. Rachel doesn't know about her. Let's put it that way. It was everything. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, for sure. And Marie, she doesn't know about Mary Antoinette, but it's just the idea, you know, going and reliving the past. It sounds amazing. And I think there's so many memories that you can connect to being a royal watcher as well. So the fact that you went to Boston, that's a family affair. You're not just going over and saying hi to William. You're making memories with your family. (laughs) And it's something that Rachel and I found when we go, you know, when we did the queue or when we went to jubilee or whatever you just meet so many amazing people whilst you're there did you have that experience oh it was amazing the crowd was just phenomenal they were they were so uh, lovely to be with there i was next to a bunch of women from new york city well new york state and we just yeah. chatted and it was it was great and just uh, they're trying to get people to move out of the way when we we're taking videos and pictures <laughs> yeah we're chit-chatting and they're like oh your baby is so cute and they're they had baby fever and they're like i don't know who to watch the baby or prince william <laughs> <laughs> yeah. royal community anna's baby is absolutely beautiful <laughs> thanks it's just so interesting who you meet and there's no awkwardness there you got something to chat about straight away exactly yeah it was their first time to seeing anybody royal so oh wow yeah. i was quite surprised when i saw the uh crowds in boston at how much it felt like a like a rock and roll star like everyone's like yeah whereas in britain everyone's oh, yeah. like oh hi and then yeah, they just give like, like a little clap, a little clap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, that yeah. Like that. way more fun. Well, I hope to meet both of you in England sometime. That'd be really neat to go royal watching. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there for the, for the coronation. So it'd be lovely to meet you. Absolutely, we are going to be on the mall. We're going to be there from about five o'clock in the morning. So please feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing you. your um, insights on how uh, your experience of being a royal watcher and you know being part of the royal community, Anna. It's amazing to have you on the podcast and thank you so much for taking your time out to chat with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Anna, for your time in talking to us about your love for the royals. Rach, wow. It's been so insightful listening to all of our Royal Community members. Well, it's just amazing, Shell, because we said from the very start, if you've listened to our first episode, 
we said that we wanted to build a royal community. We was part of the royal community as royal fans ourselves. And we've met some incredible people ever since we started this podcast. And it's people like we've had on today that really makes being part of this community so much fun. Yeah. And it seems like we've got a lot of cuddles coming <laughs> when we head to that coronation in May. Yeah. So if you guys out there are listening and you're coming to the coronation, let us know because we are going to be there and we would love to meet as many of you as possible because this this podcast would not be what it is today if it wasn't for you listening. Absolutely. So just to recap next week, if we have read the book Spare, we will be talking about Harry's memoir. Also, we've had a lot of royal engagements coming up. So we will be chatting for back. They're back from their Christmas break. So you'll hear all of the new engagements. Princess Anne, she's in uh, Cyprus. She's in Cyprus. (laughs) Get the roll hub knob on. We need to know her engagements. That's coming up next week. If you loved today's episode, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to follow so you get our episodes each week. If you would love to know more about Rachel and I, you can over on Instagram, Keeping Up With The Windsors pod. You could head to YouTube, Keeping Up With The Windsors. You can also email us, Keeping Up With The Windsors pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the VIP Royal community, you can over on Kofi, K-O-F-I. It's four pounds or six bucks. And we have a monthly Zoom call with all of our members and we have a private Facebook group as well. So if you'd like to join that, come on over. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next week on Keep It Up With The Winters.